Welcome to this week's episode of Seen and Heard, industry updates for the modern dairy family. I'm Darby Pedrozo, a technical field services representative with Western United Dairies. In this week's episode, we're excited to bring you a conversation with Daryl Moss of Moss Energy Works, as well as a market update from our partners over at Blimling. Let's jump right in to this week's episode. Pacific Gas and Electric is here to remind you that signs keep you safe. Sections of our natural gas transmission pipeline travel underground and beneath agricultural land. For the safety of you, your family, and your employees, Pipeline markers are placed to indicate the approximate location of the pipe as a reminder to use extra care. Removing a pipeline marker creates a serious safety hazard. To have additional markers placed or report damaged or missing markers, please call your PG&E account manager or our Agricultural Customer Service Center at 877-311-3276. To learn more, visit www.pge.com agsafety. Remember, signs keep you safe. Well, I'm here for another episode of Seen and Heard with one of our favorite returning guests, Daryl Moss of Moss Energy Works. Thanks for taking the time to join us again, Daryl. Thanks for having me back, Darby. Well, we've had Moss on, I think, a couple times at this point, but kind of to get us started here for our listeners, could you give us just a brief overview of Moss, you know, history and a little bit about the company? Uh, sure. Uh, we are a dairy digester development and operations company. So we build uh, and operate digesters and do everything else around that, carbon credits, finance, grants, permitting, whatever it is. Uh, we do those for projects that we own. And we also work as a uh, owner's rep and project manager for producer-owned projects. So uh, depending on who the owner is, we're, either way, we're trying to get the work done. We've been around since 2010. We're about 100 and some employees uh, primarily in California, but the vast majority of our sites are there, although we, we do have some expansion out of state as well. Uh, we're based up in Reading, although we have offices in Merced and Visalia and uh, and uh, other folk places as well. Well, we last spoke, I look back today, in June of 2021, so a full year ago. So I was hoping you could maybe give our listeners an update on what Moss has been up to since we last spoke. Let's see, June of 21. Um, since then, we have probably brought online 15 or 20 uh, new digesters, probably about 15. Um, the vast majority in California, uh, I think since then, we at that point had uh, groups of dairies uh, injecting gas in, in clusters. You know, that is a, a group all connected by a pipeline in the Pixley area uh, with what we call Calgren Dairy Fuels. And we had just started up what we call Lakeside Pipeline, which is a group of producers near Hanford. Uh, since then, we've started two more. Uh, that's uh, Merced Pipeline, uh, south of Merced, and uh, Five Points Pipeline, which is in uh, kind of near Riverdale in uh, Fresno County. So we've mostly been uh, working on starting those projects up and, and getting good at running them and, and trying to bring them through the whole process. These take almost three years from the time you start work on a project to when you actually create revenue. And so we just keep moving more and more of our clients uh, through that process. Well, it's been really exciting to see some of those um, come online. I was able to attend the ribbon cutting in Merced and just to see the technology and the capability and innovation that you guys are working on is really fascinating. 
yeah, it's, it's really fun to see these come together. You know, when we first do this, it's kind of like, I hope this is going to work kind of thing and, and it works out. But now the scale the industry is operating at, there's just a lot of producers getting to benefit and uh, the, uh, the reliability of the technology is so much better. Uh, so we can really just roll these out with a lot of confidence and try to keep expanding. Really, a lot of our work has been expansion of existing clusters. So uh, even that our original cluster, which has been online since, oh, 2018 or 19, the Calgren cluster, we just keep adding more dairies to it. So as, as we keep learning the process better, uh, a lot of what we see now is just more and more families getting to participate or we can expand the pipeline, expand to more dairies, just keep growing. And, and it's really fun to see it working for so many people. Yeah, I agree. And yeah, it is. It's just really neat to see where where you started when we first had you on versus where you are now and and how many more producers and families you've been able to, you know, touch base with and bring on. Yeah, I think we're up to oh, 56, 57 digesters total uh, up and running. So it's a compared to when we started, it's there's been a lot of growth and not just us, but others as well. So uh, it's become kind of a uh, it's almost getting to be common that a California dairy has a, has a digester on it and has multiple streams of revenue, which is, of course, what we all need these days. Yep, I agree. I think I drive around um, South Valley and Tulare and I see those big old digester bubbles, you know, every couple miles or so. So it seems like so many dairies have those, you know, kind of going and rolling now. Yep, it's a lot of fun, and uh, we've used a lot of different business models. Uh, right now, we've got anything from projects that we own 100% to projects that are joint ventures between us and some investors and the producer, to projects that are 100% owned by the producer, and we work for them. Uh, there's just lots of options out there and lots of different ways as, as each family tries to decide you know, where they, where they want to be on the risk-reward chain and, and where their, their timing they want to be as far as investments. And uh, I think there's just a lot more options that producers have. Uh, the other thing we're really seeing a lot of is uh, being able to extend to more isolated dairies. So, you know, not everything is a Kern County or a Kings County where there's just tons of dairies all next to each other in certain locations. Uh, sometimes we're having to go out into, you know, Stanislaus County or someplace and find individual dairies. And we're getting better at trucking gas from isolated dairies that we can't connect to a pipeline. I think we're doing that at four dairies right now. And we have a few more coming and it's hard work, but our team's getting better and better at it and working with the producers. And I think that holds out a lot of potential for uh, more flexibility in the market where more dairies can produce and they can actually control where they send their gas. I mean, if you're trucking your gas, you don't have to go to the same place. You can kind of become a free agent. And I think as this market shakes out, that's gonna be another opportunity uh, as, as the market changes. Well, you kind of led me right into my next question there. I know the industry is somewhat abuzz with conversation regarding changes to the LCFS credits and the federal price. What are your thoughts there? You talked a lot about flexibility in the future. Where do you see this heading? Good question. Uh, the trucking of gas is something we're doing. And uh, I think that is in the near term, you know, the biggest innovation we're doing that's actually being deployed that uh, you can do at scale. Uh, some of the other innovations that have been talked about uh, are in the electric, the electricity side, uh, generating with you know, high efficiency engines, fuel cells, hydrogen fuel cells, that sort of thing. Uh, we haven't dove into that yet. I just don't see the business case yet, but uh, the state may keep pushing us that direction with more incentives. You know, the state of California will, will sometimes create a business case where one doesn't naturally exist in the market. And uh, and that's maybe maybe a kind way to say it. Yeah, that and, was uh, a kind way to put it. <laughs> um, 
So that's going to keep happening. Of course, you know, the, the big news economically is that the price of these carbon credits has fallen pretty, pretty uh, significantly, over 50 percent uh, from from a year ago. And that's that's pretty painful. I think, uh, unfortunately, digesters are going to end up being a lot like dairy farming, which is that the lowest cost producer wins. And so uh, we have to keep our projects, as we always have tried to do, as simple, as reliable as possible and not make them too fancy not make them full of bells and whistles and driven by a whole bunch of, you know, uh, venture capital, investment banking sort of, you know, Fortune 500 money. It's just those things get very expensive very quickly. And, and I'm, I'm worried that some of those projects will have a hard time surviving. The name of the game in manure is it's a waste product and you want to spend the least amount of money if you can. I mean, obviously you want to be safe and you want to build something that's reliable, but you don't want to put too many bells and whistles and too much uh, window dressing on an expensive project because in a market like this, all of a sudden that gets really hard to, to pay back the debt or to justify the cost. And so we're trying to position ourselves just right where we've built facilities that can uh, survive a downtime. And we, we think we've done the best we could have, you know, we're always learning, uh, but uh, our projects are gonna be fine. You know, they're gonna be fine. And I, I hope most ones will be, but I do think that with the market being down the way it is, some of the more uh, pie in the sky kind of digesters where people are spending just tens of millions of dollars to put these uh, single dairy digesters up. I don't think those are gonna make sense anymore. And so we'll probably see a little bit of a relaxation of maybe some of the, um, the fever pitch that's been around our industry. Well, and I think, you know, you said it, you know, during, during your last thought that efficiency is so important. And you talk about building efficient digesters and sustainable digesters. And this is truly just a question, a layman's question. Is is there are there ways that you know you can build an efficient digester? Are there ways that producers can get more efficient to help their digesters run more efficiently and run better? Mm, good question. We are always working with our producers to find ways to do that. There are a few. You know, the simplest thing is is collecting all the manure. So obviously, if you have an open lot dairy, um, we don't get as much manure. Uh, or if you have one that you don't don't flush the lanes, but you start flushing the lanes. So obviously, within the limits of the dairy infrastructure, uh, we would like as much manure to be collected as possible. Um, but there's a fine line there. You know, if the dairy farmer thinks that their cows are happier in exercise pens uh, and they're going to produce more milk, well, I don't want to put pressure on them and say well, you have to close the exercise pens so I can get more manure. Right? You have to be careful on that, trying to drive the dairy operation. Uh, to suit the digester's needs. And that's why you don't overspend on a digester so that you have this huge expensive thing that requires the dairy to bend over backwards to feed it. Uh, you wanna try to keep it simpler um, so that you, you don't force the dairy farm into things that don't make sense. But uh, to your question, a few other things, we, we've experimented with uh, different ways of irrigating, uh, which in some cases can help your carbon credit score if the dairy uh, is able to uh, send their digester effluent straight to the fields. Not everybody can do that. Most people need a store, but that's another thing that can be done. Uh, we've looked at different you know, types of feed and, and types of that sort of thing, but so far, um, so far mostly we just want a dairy farm that is gonna you know, run a good business and take care of itself and uh, operate as clean and efficient as they can. And we work on the back end. We, we don't change things. We just want the, the dairy operation to work well and uh, we don't ask for too many changes. Well, that's always a good thing. The cows have to come first, right? They have to. <laughs> well, I, I'm just curious, you know, we talked about so much about 
you're starting to have some more flexibility with some of these dairies that maybe aren't, you know, centrally located or right next to a big hub. I know so many people in our industry, obviously we know about digesters. We talk about digesters. What would you say to someone who's maybe a little more remote listening to this podcast that's thinking, Hey, maybe this is something I can start, start to dip my toes into. Hmm. I guess I would say, you know, the industry is large now. And so talk to multiple developers or multiple technology providers. Um, so often we, we find people that, you know, they signed up to the most pushy salesman, uh, which, you know, is always bad business. So um, find about about your options, what type of technologies are out there, um, what type of ownership structures are out there. These projects move slowly. There's no rush. You don't have to sign a deal right now, now, now. Uh, you can talk to three or four, you know, there's there's obviously two or three of us here in California that have built a few. Uh, and then there's new entrants into the market that may have new ideas. So um, talk to a few different people and don't be in a hurry. And as I said before, uh, pick a technology that works with your dairy the way it is. Uh, don't try to chase returns by uh, modifying your, di- your dairy and trying to make it perform for the digester. That's just kind of a, a dead end. It's got to work the other way around. Well, and you have to have a healthy, you know, original business to continue to support the supplement of the digester. So, yeah, um, let's see other advice. Uh, you know, digesters do work even in the more remote, like, remote locations. You just have to be realistic. You know, a, a large dairy right on a natural gas pipeline is going to have a better return than a, a smaller dairy, you know, out in the hills somewhere. And so uh, to the extent we have hills and uh <laughs> And so uh, that's okay. You just got to pick a developer and make sure you've structured a deal that works for you. For example, you know, sometimes uh, deals are based on forecasted profits. Well, you know, forecasted profits may or may not come through. So if you're trying to minimize your risk, it might be better to have an arrangement that pays you a guaranteed rate per cow or maybe uh, a guaranteed rate per cow plus a share of profits. But uh, forecasting things is very difficult. You know, anybody right now that's signed a deal that gave them a percentage of earnings and no other payment, no other minimum payment, well, the price of the market has gone way down. So uh, you might be very disappointed. So we, we try to offer both. You know, Some of our deals have a, a base price that we pay per cow, and then there's a profit share for the upside, uh, or sometimes the producers uh, are rewarded based on whether or not there's other grants so that the grants don't go just to the, to the developer, but the, the producer gets some benefit from those. So kind of have to think all the way through where the value is being created. And uh, that's another way to do it. Um, Yeah, uh, the industry is mature. And just like anything else, you have to get a lot of competitive input. Well, I think that's something throughout, you know, my time at Western, my time working with some of your clients. um, I think you see a lot of that flexibility. I mean, I have members who, like you talked about, either own their digesters or I have members who say, I don't want to have to deal with managing this. I don't want to have to touch it, you know? And so I think it's just so interesting to see all of the different ways that people fit this into their business plan. And every dairy is obviously so different in how they're managed and digesters have just become another part of that. You know, the, the saying there's however many dairies in California and there's that same, you know, many ways to dairy in California. (laughs) That's true. That's very true. And, uh, yeah, it's, it's a great state to do business in. Uh, there's a lot of things that are hard about doing business in California, but also we, we do have a lot of technology here. We have a lot of dairies here. Um, we've got a climate that's good for digesters. So, uh, and we have a, a state that pays well for, for green gas, for cow gas. So th- there are opportunities out there. 
Well, Daryl, as always, we really appreciate, you know, your partnership and having you on. Is there anything else off the top of your head that you'd like to share with what listeners kind of as we wrap up today? Well, let me think, Darby. I think just as always, we really appreciate the trust of the dairy community. You know, this this industry only works if, if uh, these are very long-term investments and, and people need to work together. We need to have uh, relationships that last not just for a few years, but really for decades. And so uh, we're real grateful for, you know, Western United and other organizations that try to work together for our producers. Um, that, that's where the whole industry kind of grows from. And so uh, we're just grateful to get to be here. Uh, the industry's in a bit of a down cycle right now, but uh, if we structure these projects uh, properly, they can continue to provide value in up markets and down markets. And uh, we just think it's a good thing for the industry and uh, we're trying to work together to make it well. So thanks for your help in that. Of course. Well, thanks again, Daryl. Thank you. Yosemite Farm Credit is the farmer's choice for agriculture financing. As a farmer-owned cooperative, we are dedicated to serving our neighbors in the agriculture community with financial products and services tailored to your operation and backed with the relationship you can trust. Whether you're purchasing real estate, making improvements to the dairy, or wanting to purchase or lease equipment, we're here to help our members prosper. Visit our website at yosemitefarmcredit.com to find a branch location nearest you. Hi folks, it's been a pretty busy week in our dairy markets, despite Monday being closed due to the holiday. Uh, we had a lot of reports and a lot of market action. We started the week with a global dairy trade event Tuesday morning. Uh, the results out of there uh, landed pretty close to expectations, I would say, except for cheese, which saw a pretty significant decline on the auction. Our markets kind of, uh, I don't know, sloughed that off a bit because the same day we also got a milk production report. U.S. output in May was uh, still down 0.7% year over year. They came in a little bit of a weaker showing than most expectations, uh, so that was fairly supportive. We added about 2,000 head for the month, but uh, still leaves us down over 100,000 head year over year. Um, so I would say, again, that was pretty supportive for the markets. And uh, we continued the week until we got to Thursday. Um, we got a cold storage report. I would say there, um, pretty big surprise showing sh uh, cheese inventories in particular growing at a pretty aggressive rate, much ahead of the typical pace from April to May and put inventories up about 4% year over year. Uh, that pretty much took the wind out of the sales in the class three market. Uh, piled on with the fact that greens were actually also down for the week. Um, we ended up with block cheddar down to 209, down five and a half cents. Barrels at 214.75, down a penny. Um, and our class three futures curve took a bit of a hit. For instance, July closed down 78 cents on the week. Still at a nice number, 22.78. Class four market also was a little bit wobbly. Butter lost two and a half cents for the week, but we're still at 291.50. Nonfat dry milk lost a penny, um, still though at 179. Uh, class four curve also lost a bit of steam, uh, but not quite as much as the class three space. Uh, hearing uh, talk in the here and now, we are hearing for the month of June that uh, milk flows were improved some. Uh, keep in mind from here on out, the year-over-year -year comparisons are much easier to beat as well. 
Um, although we did hear heat in certain areas of the Midwest and um, elsewhere taking a bit of a toll uh, on some output in some regions. Stay tuned as we move into next week. It's a quiet week in terms of reports go. I think all eyes will be on the grain markets, um, see if we see any further demise there, um, and uh, what we're hearing about output in the day-to-day -day market. Please reach out with any questions. Did you know that you can turn your dairy manure into cash? Bennett Environmental is offering above-ground dairy digesters at no cost to you. These systems can also remove nitrates from your lagoons to help you comply with water board regulations. Our proven above-ground technology will generate income for your dairy into the foreseeable future. Because we truck the renewable natural gas off-site, your dairy can profit regardless of your location. Bennett Environmental, turning your wastewater liabilities into sustainable assets. Learn more at bennett-environmental.com. Thanks for listening in to this week's episode of Seen and Heard. We'd like to give a thank you to Daryl Moss and the Moss Energy Works team, as well as our partners over at Blimling. Remember, as always, that you're free to reach out to us with any questions, comments, or content requests at wud.pod at gmail.com. Melissa can be reached at mlema at wudairies.com and I can be reached at darby at wudairies.com. Remember to rate, review, and subscribe on your favorite platform and have a great week. While West United Dairies respects the varied views of our podcast guests, please know that views expressed on Seen and Heard may not necessarily reflect the positions of the West United Dairies Board of Directors. Thank you to Western United Dairies' generous business sponsors, Gar Bennett, California Dairy Magazine, Farm Credit Alliance, FNR Ag Services, Moss Energy Works, Bennett Environmental, PG&E, and Yosemite Farm Credit. We appreciate our sponsors and thank them for their continued support. If you'd like more information on how to sponsor Western United Dairies or this podcast, please send us an email at info at wudairies.com. That's info at wuda.com. I-E-S dot com.